Well, cheers, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of The Heath Bar. I'm bringing you a very special episode this time. Uh, last week in South Dakota, we celebrated our very first ever craft beer week, which is something that happens nationally, but this is the first time that we have done it specifically for all of the breweries in our state of South Dakota. So yours truly, I got to sit down with uh, the breweries in Spearfish and from Sturgis, um, last week and we chatted uh, just beer, we chatted their story, we chatted on the growth of craft beer in South Dakota, where it's come, where it is, and where it has the potential to go. It was really cool getting to hear a lot of their backgrounds and a lot of their stories and, and just sitting with them over, over several several libations and we had ourselves a really good time. Um, so I, I sat down with Spearfish Brewing, Sawyer Brewing, Crow Peak Brewing from Spearfish, South Dakota. And then I also sat down with Sturgis Brewing Company out of Sturgis. And we had ourselves a great chat over at the Spearfish Public House, which if you haven't gotten the chance to check that place out, definitely go and do it. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Josh Fritz does a really good job over there keeping it uh, keeping it fresh for us and keeping the, the taps rotating and keeping some good beer there uh, for us all. So I really appreciate him and the, and the crew over there letting us, uh, giving us a place to record and hang out. That was really nice of them. Uh, so without further ado, I'm just going to get into it, folks. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here is the Spearfish slash Sturgis South Dakota Brewers. Welcome to the Heath Bar where the conversations are always on tap. Well, cheers, guys. Cheers. Happy happy Craft Beer Week. Yeah, yeah. How, uh... When did Craft Beer Week start? How many years is this? Is there a... Do they keep track? This is... This is the first year of South Dakota craft this beer week. Is, oh, oh, so oh, so give me a little bit of a background because I, there's been craft beer like national craft beer yeah. weeks for a while. So yeah, this is specific to South Dakota. Yep. Okay, so what started that? How did that happen? Does anyone know? <laughs> I think it was one of those that they do American Craft Beer Week in uh in what the spring, summer, June is what whatever American Craft Beer Week is, and yep. it was just one of those uh, uh South Dakota craft beer guild reached out to all of us and wanted to start this and first time that we've had a I mean great group of breweries that have started here in South Dakota in the last five years and yeah um, yeah we just want to take off and be you know part of the rest of the country of doing what we do so that's that's cool yeah I, I, um, I found out was a couple years ago that Spearfish per capita has more breweries than Rapid City so <laughs> congratulations you guys <laughs> um, let's let's introduce ourselves real quick so everyone knows who's on the panel here. Um, let's start at my right. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, Joe uh, from Sturgis Brewing Company. We just opened last uh, last fall, August, beginning of August. Uh, started this venture back in 2018. COVID, everything else, but we're we're happy to be part of part of the the group of these guys that are doing great craft beer. We got a great brewer named Dawson, and uh, he's he you know we're we're, we're now here with some of the big dogs, so we're excited to be around. Uh, Lee Eddy with Sawyer Brewing in Spearfish. Sweet. Jeff Drum with Crow Peak Brewing Company in Spearfish. And I'm Nathan Venner from Spearfish Brewing Company, uh, established 2017. 
I was hoping you'd say it was like in Lead or something like that. Wouldn't that be? I mean, maybe the next Spearfish Brewing can be in a different town. <laughs> That's cool. And then we got we got Carson sitting over there, waving to us. But I had to throw your name in, man. I wasn't not going to do that. Mm. Yeah. So this is uh, this is cool. So Stephanie at Lost Cabin um, reached out and asked if we could do something like this. Um, so she gave me a list of questions, and I, I'll probably get to some of them, but we're just going to kind of hang out and chat, if that's cool with you guys. So that will probably happen in the natural conversation. Um, oh. Tell me a little bit about the history of South Dakota and craft beer. Because when you look... Uh, I moved up here in 2008, so that was before... Jeff? That, we, were, we opened the year before, you 2007. So yeah. you were, the, were you the only one at the time? In Spearfish, In yeah. Spearfish. Yep. Okay, so South Dakota, there was another... Well, South Dakota had the Firehouse and Rapid and then Dempsey's and Watertown. Oh, were that's the two right. existing at the time. There were breweries way back in the past, but... Sure. Shut down, yeah, so. okay, gotcha. Okay. And then, um, so then since then, though, it's been, it's been kind of awesome to see just that craft beer culture I guess just explode and it, it it really boomed several years back and do you, do you guys feel that it's that it's kind of leveling off or and like hey this is this is a max do you think that it's still growing and anyone can feel free to, to jump in whenever you want so sure um, to go back a little bit on South Dakota craft beer I started brewing in... I'm originally from South Dakota. Okay. I started brewing at Altitude Chop House in Laramie, Wyoming back in 2006 or so. So um, it was it was kind of cool to follow Crow Peak, seeing one of the... I mean, I legitimately, I can call Jeff and, and everything that's happened at Crow Peak like one of the OGs in South Dakota and to watch him make some of these awesome breakthroughs in the craft industry and the Black Hills especially. Um, it was it was really cool to watch and I think that as far as if, like, whether there's like, you know, ebbs and flows and, and the amount of breweries that are opening up in different parts of the country, it's going to be different in um, Bend, Oregon than it is in, in the Black Hills than it is in Cincinnati. Sure. And um, I think that anybody who's who's ready to you know step up to the plate and um, become a, a brewer or a brewery owner um, more power to you if you think you're ready and if, if you feel like Black Hills is your spot right now then you know go for it uh, it's been crazy because I want to say like it was Crow Peak for it for really for 10 years like a yeah, long time yeah. and I look at Lost Cabin I think they've been open for a year and a half or two years longer than Spearfish Brewing, and I feel like they've been open in the Black Hills forever. Mm. Um, it's most of us came along about the same time. I think Lee, your place opened up a couple months, just yeah, like and, right, right about the same time. Yep, yeah. 2018, um, and we've all kind of like shown up on the scene here just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Jeff, you, I, I remember looking at Crow Peak and coming up here and visiting and drinking Crow Peak beer back in the uh, mid-2000s and, and, you know, loving it. So, yeah. That's cool. Uh, remembering is always the hard part, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Remembering details. <laughs> right, right. I was there. I was there. Uh, so do you guys, do you feel that uh, South Dakota is still a place that is fertile for, for newer breweries? Like you were talking about, if you're ready to step up to the plate, step up and do it. Do you, do you feel like South Dakota is is welcome to that and there's still a space for, for newer ones to show up in our state? I, th- I think so. I mean, there are a lot of the breweries 
popping up now, like in Rapid, there are several that are, I mean, they're what you'd call nano breweries, I would think. I mean, they're pretty small scale and mm-hmm. they, they only serve like four to six tapping. blocks from their area, right? And, <laughs> and so that they, and the nice thing about those kind of breweries is they really concentrate on, or some of them concentrate on just doing yeah, awesome crap. stuff with, with beer and not, not producing mass amounts of it, but doing an awesome job with what they do. And there's always, I mean, people want, I think people like a choice on what they're drinking and if, you know, the more choices people have, the better. So I, I think there's still room in South Dakota. Sure. It's been fun to watch when we when we started ours back in 2014 when we were the Knuckle. I mean, there was a handful of breweries back in 2014 and after we rebranded and did everything else. But, I mean, to see the craft beer culture, I, I personally come from Denver, Colorado, and, oh. I mean, the craft beer scene before I moved up here was exploding. And it's it's really cool to see what you guys what you know everybody around here is doing what new breweries are coming into and yeah it's there's some great great craft beer that's happening here in the hills like you said i mean all you guys obviously are doing fantastic jobs and i mean what everybody else is doing i mean it's there was a handful and now there's dozens you know or whatever it is here in the black hills let alone south dakota so it's cool to see the creativity that everybody's got and you know you all have your own personal touch to everything and so it's it's been fun to watch the craft beer scene grow mm-hmm. in south dakota for yeah. sure yeah that's a good that's a good point uh because when you think of like prior to five six years ago i think when people thought craft beer south dakota probably wasn't really big on the list they would think they think places like colorado or oregon or california california you know um thinking east coast and i just forgot where i was thinking of but you know i mean not not really around this area and and uh do you think that i guess what what do you think sets south dakota's craft beer apart from other places in terms of uh how you design your beer and if there's not an answer, don't, don't, I'm not putting you on the spot. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't know. We just really like it. <laughs> water profile, maybe. I mean, great, great water here. Yeah. Um, uh, the, these guys, everybody else in the room here besides me are the brewers. And they they all come from very, very educated craft beer. And so I'll, I'll let them. But these guys are doing a fantastic job of being creative and doing everything. So you guys tell us. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think that that's kind of what we're looking at right now as a guild. Um, our guild is pretty young. Um, it's it's um, active for the first time in, since I've lived in South Dakota. This is the first South Dakota Craft Beer Week. This is kind of the identity that we are carving out for ourselves right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that that question is the question that we have for ourselves in South Dakota is who do we want to be? Who, Where are we going as a group? Uh, what is going to define us? So that is at ba- basically what's happening right now. I feel like the craft beer culture, um, with with the I'm sorry, with the amount of brand new breweries that just um, have emerged on the scene in South Dakota, it's in the and I can speak more about the Black Hills than the eastern side of the state. But we, that's exactly what we're looking at right now: is who are we? What is our identity? And we're trying to carve that out. What do you think, Lee? So I always think that South Dakota, in multiple aspects, craft beer, you name it, is always behind the curve with the rest of 
the country on a lot of different things. So I think it's obvious to most people that own or work at a brewery that the consumer also may just be, I wouldn't say 100% behind the curve, but we still have lots of traditional beer drinkers in South Dakota. And so I think everyone can attest that there is a strong market for those beers, for those customers. Um, And there's lots of them that come around. We're getting there. Um, And I think everybody trying new things, doing different things definitely helps, you know, make that consumer, you know, want to move with, let's just say, the trends of other parts in the country. That's that's a good point. I, when I, I grew up in Nebraska, Midwest, my whole life, and I was always kind of told that the running joke was we're about seven to 12 years behind the world or the rest of, of America, <laughs> just in terms of fashion and right. everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I guess I hadn't really thought about that applying to beer as well and what people like. Does that... Uh, does that not necessarily limit the amount of risk that you guys take in, in trying new things and in trying to push the envelope a little bit? Or does it just does it just change the timing, I guess, for you? Because like, when you're starting up, right, you obviously want to be successful, make a profit, so you can keep going, right? So there's got to be a certain level where you're like, well, what's the, the foundational, you know, core beers that we're going to have? And this is what's going to be our bread and butter, and then five, six years down the road, then you start to take risks? Or what does that look like? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, like when I started, it, I had my three flagship beers and went with those and then did small batch one-offs of other smaller stuff. And now I, can find, now I find that I can do more of that so I have a variety of things. To, people have a variety of things to choose from when they walk into the bar and... Uh, same with Lee and, and Nathan. Um, they, you know, you walk in there and there's always something new up there. And mm-hmm. so everyone's trying to be innovative. And but th- we all have our, you know, standard beers that we keep on because people, people like to come in and recognize something as well. Sure, so. sure. And then the in the summer with the tourism, I mean, then you got people come in from all these other states where there are other beers. So it's kind of fun to see them trying the South Dakota beers and realizing that there is a beer culture here yeah, that absolutely. wasn't here too long you know too long yeah, ago so. yeah you didn't want to scare away the 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 light beer drinkers for us in sturgis i mean everywhere around there is farmers ranchers small town folk that have been accustomed to the light beer drinker you know light beers um, big beer but for us you know it's easing them into it it's don't go too crazy with it but then after they do realize that beer is you can have flavor in your beer and you can enjoy it and then once you come out with some small batch stuff seasonal stuff whatever then they you know they, it pushes their envelope to want to try something different so it's yeah. been it's been a, a a process but we definitely have gotten there and i mean it, people enjoy it people enjoy it everywhere and we've got a great you know group of guys that are doing a great stuff so been fun to been fun to watch the transition that's for sure right. jeff you obviously you've been a lot in a lot longer yeah, than has, I have. It has been yeah it's your been cream really ale probably cool. was <laughs> it pushed the envelope and you know it's been yeah then people come in okay we we did something small batch we did something different and yep. yeah we're, we're we're turning the curve for sure yeah was it just because it was brewed with honey and people were like how does honey and beer go together or what was the cream ale no the cream ale was just a light it's a you know yeah. as close to a light domestic beer that I would care to not care to do but 
Yeah, it was just light enough that people, it was approachable by sure. a Bud Light drinker. So you're like, you're meeting your culture where it's at, and then... And then pushing it. And then it. shaping it, right? Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, we, like, one of our bartenders started out as a Bud drinker, and he started on the cream ale, and now he'll drink anything, you know, he'll try. Yeah. I, I remember watching these guys come in. They were Bushlight drinkers when I first moved up here, and... Wait, what did you say? What kind of drinkers? Bud Light drinkers. Are you allowed to say that? Uh, well, <laughs> they were. But still, but and, and now they're IPAs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy to see. It's crazy to see the transition. Like they didn't they didn't know anything different because just there lack was never of knowledge. Here. Yeah, there was yeah. no craft beer here, so they did that. And now, I mean, some of those guys, old boys out of the country, they come in and they're drinking IPAs. So, sure. So it's they they realize, a, you know, I mean. It's yeah. It's you actually can have flavor in your beer, and you don't have to drink thirty of them to get a good buzz. (laughs) Yeah, I I think thirty is a pretty good standard. Especially in South Dakota. Uh, yeah. 30 racks, man. Yeah. As a South Dakota native, I, I think that like 30 is a good number to hit. It's, you know, when you're out on a boat fishing, 30 is a, a good number, Joe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also, you, you know, six pack now and- you know, so there is going to be this balance. And one of the things, you know, like with, with Lee talking about, you know, South Dakota craft beer being behind the curve. I think you're going to find that in any area where a bunch of breweries all emerged at the same time, Hmm. because not everybody has the same level of uh, professional experience going into starting uh, creating their brand and creating their, their beers. Um, So they're going to have less than perfect techniques when they start brewing beer. And it takes, it takes about two years to dial in a system also. I mean, you really need to work on that system to learn its little nuances and really make your brands as good as possible. But beer drinking goes back hundreds of years. So, I mean, like a good, like amber lager has been around for a long, long time and people have been drinking that beer and it is a tried, true, proven uh, beer style. It's um, where, where we might be behind the curve or any area in the United States where, you know, we don't have a rich tradition of like four generations deep uh, family brewery and yeah. traditions and techniques and stuff. Um, you know, you're going you're gonna to find that what we lack is, is overall years professional experience. And that's not true when you go to uh, like a, a bigger city like Seattle, it's just for example, because I, and you're gonna have people there with decades of experience and um, colleges that have professors that teach brewing courses. Um, so that's where we are just kind of like, that's where the guild is so important. That's where South Dakota Craft Beer Week is important. That's why it's important that we all communicate among each other because we can feed off of the, the collective information that we can bring to the table. So it's not necessarily about like following trends, for me anyway. Um, it's about making good quality beer and that takes a lot of us just like collaborating, working together, sharing information and um, just collectively becoming better as a group in South Dakota. I heard brewery college and I immediately started questioning all of my educational choices in the past. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> do, you, do you think that uh, there's a certain level of being, being as new as we are not having those generational background to it that excites some people? Instead of like, I, like 
uh, I don't know. They're, they're fairly new. I don't know if I want to give it a shot. Or do you think there's a there's a certain level, certain group of people out there that are looking for the next new thing and wanting to try something new every time they go to a bar? I think it has to do with a lot of our tourism. Mm. You know, all these people are coming around from all these different states. Obviously, you know, we're surrounded by great craft beer. But I know when I travel somewhere, I do Google local breweries next, you know, where I'm at. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think that's kind of the, the benefit. And obviously I send these guys, you know, if somebody's in here and they say, hey, I'm heading to Spearfish. I mean, these, all three of these gentlemen are fantastic brewers. So I send them, I, I you know, send them their way. And so I think that that's definitely helped grow what what's what's helping us especially during tourism during the summer and everything but you know that that's what i see personally there in sturgis so sure um, but these guys i don't they see something different but yeah. no I yeah. yeah i mean my favorite thing to do now in spearfish because i live here is now that there's three breweries i can do like a bike tour right of breweries in town where i used to, you know we used to be like hey let's go to the brewery and it was it was crow right um so now having three it, it makes it you know it makes the weekends a lot more fun especially when you're just it's gorgeous out you know and the wife and i will get on our bikes and we'll just cruise around for the day and yep. that's that's where it that's where it goes so yep. it's nice it's nice and i when i so i moved up here in 2008 and i uh I mean, yeah, I was I was that guy who just drank kind of the typical beer that you that you thought. You know, it wasn't really a part of my life for a lot of reasons we won't get into right here. But uh, but when I did get into craft beer and start to pay attention to it, like there was a certain part of me that always wanted to try something new, um, and there really wasn't anything that I didn't like. There were things that obviously you like more than others, but I was one of those people that just I want to find something new. I don't care if it's been open a week, a month. For ten years, like give me something new that you guys have done, something that you've thought of in your head, whatever the inspiration was. Maybe I don't, that's a good question, actually. What what made you get into this in the first place? Did you just not like the options available? <laughs> like, you know what? I could make this better. Was that it, or was it all from inspiration from Jeff over there at the table? <laughs> <laughs> I was attending the University of Wyoming. I was a double major in the English philosophy and honors program. And I started working part-time at Altitude Chop House and Brewery. Um, and I, did a, I was doing a research project on the feasibility of legalizing marijuana in the state of Wyoming. And it led me down a rabbit hole where um, I realized I didn't know that it was legal to just make batches of beer in your apartment. Oh, okay. And um, within about two weeks of me realizing that you can do that, I had um, gone in all the way, uh, just pot committed to making beer in my apartment, and I was brewing hundreds of gallons um, way over the the legal limit of how much you're supposed to be allowed to brew. Um, I think it was like, I think you're only allowed to do like 50 gallons yeah, per person. I don't even care. Like come at me. Um, <laughs> there was like a, a way like 130 gallons a month. And, um, and it was, and then from there I, I started like looking at it as an actual career path and um, everything I thought I went to college for just got swept. I just, 
just forgot. I forgot about why I went to college and mm -hmm. uh, started brewing beer. And I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where the owners of Altitude, uh, Karen and Greg, uh, brought me in to like be their head brewer. So then I was promoted up to the brewmaster position at Altitude when I was 25 years old. Whoa. It was ridiculous. And um, college, everything I learned in college was um, quickly applied to everything I learned in English philosophy was quickly applied to brewing beer. <laughs> that can happen. I've heard that can happen. For me, it was just right. I just found a, I just found what I wanted to do, and it was in the right place in the right time. So I was very That's fortunate. Cool. That's cool. And Jeff, we've heard your story, but go ahead and give us the the cliff notes. Well, uh, I was a home brewer, like every, you know, like most brewers, and uh, enjoyed it. Enjoyed what I made. And, uh, when we decided to move here, we were living in San Diego at the time, and <clears throat> when. And of course, that's a great crap beer scene down there as well. So, uh, when we decided to move here, I didn't have any job prospects, and uh, so my wife and I talked about opening a brewery, and she was supportive. And so I uh, took some coursework at the American Brewers Guild and did a, a internship at a brewery in Oregon, and then came out here and started Crow Peak. And yeah. And when I say we've heard your story before, yeah. for everyone listening, go back several episodes. You'll see <laughs> just me and Jeff chatting and yeah. drinking out, out of Crow itself. So <laughs> that's what I meant by that. But uh, what about you, Lee? Um, my story is a little bit different than I would say most brewers. Um, I was kind of in this like I wouldn't call it midlife crisis, but I was just wanted to do something different I was actually a little bit more interested in like the business behind a brewery than I was like super passionate about brewing at the time okay um and so I began brewing and actually really enjoyed it and I always kind of had this like you could call it artistic sense about myself that I enjoyed being creative and doing different things so I went down this path, my wife and I, of kind of dreaming about it a little bit, um, and then got more serious about it. Um, it's probably like 2016, maybe, I suppose. Um, and so it's one of those kind of like, they say when you turn a hobby into a job, it's no longer a hobby. <laughs> and like, I mean, that that can go in both directions, but that's kind of what it ended up being. It was basically like, you know, a wild idea that I turned into a hobby. And then at one point there was just kind of this window of opportunity where I committed to, you know, moving forward with the project. And um, yeah, that's basically how it started. So um, as far as like the, the business model that we have today with the beer and the pizza, we actually started at home. I would, you know, brew a bunch of beers and I was I, I don't know if I was pushing 130 but it was like <laughs> quite a bit of beer and then I would have you know all of a sudden I'd have like 40 gallons that you can't drink by yourself I was in college I needed to support a habit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I had all this beer so <laughs> then I made this really crappy pizza oven out of like so I went and got like fire bricks from somewhere made this thing 
and mortared up this like kitty litter mix of like cement and all this stuff into this really bad pizza oven and we would just invite our friends out for like mediocre beers and burnt pizza at our house and they all thought it was great and by the way don't take your friend's advice that this is a great idea do not follow yeah bad advice so anyways we actually did this for like multiple summers and we would have these parties where we'd you know have beer and pizza and I'd whip up these pizzas in this really bad pizza oven and it was actually a great time and then it just kind of progressed from there and Wow. Here we are. That's cool. That's cool. What about Knuckle? Well, we started at the Knuckle back in 2014. I was fortunate enough to be an assistant brewer for, at the time, our head brewer, Andy McGuire. Uh, very, very knowledgeable, very, very, I mean, intricate. Went to culinary school, so his flavor profile. Um, but since then, we've moved on. Uh, now we got the... Now we got the Sturgis Brewing Company going on. We got a very, very smart, smart man. Uh, he went to he went to school in Shadron. He took brewers brewer brewer class. What is it, brewer science or whatever it's called? It. And so he's very, very smart, smart young man. He's doing a great job for us. We 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 are on a very, very nice system. And you know, with a little bit of my background is I did home brewing back in Denver. Me and my old man took some classes. We did it. Um, just trying to, you know, just have some beer to have some fun, have, try flavor profiles that we liked. And so that's kind of how I jumped into it when when I moved up here back in 2014, hopped in at the Knuckle Brewing Company, took over the bar management, helped brew, helped do whatever they need, part of their sales team. It was kind of just one of those that I, you know, obviously enjoy drinking beer and we, we, we we definitely have taken off since then and um so it, it's been a fun venture and you know it, it's been crazy it's been fun to watch a brewery be built from the ground up just like the rest of these gentlemen have and how crazy it can be and to start a new business but you know that that's that's all i got you know our dawson is our head brewer he's doing a fantastic job switching flavors tweaking flavors from what we were to what we are now so starting back at the Knuckle of 2014 to starting, we opened up in August, like I said earlier, and in, in the last year, and yeah. you know, hoping to hang out with these gentlemen and you know, make some of the, some some really really good craft beer. So that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, one of the cool things I think I've I've seen. Just I can't even. I used to I used to keep the Untapped app. Did you guys do you guys still do that? Does anyone still do that? Nope. No. I I decided to stop tracking how many times I had a beer. So yeah, this is information someone could use against me in the, in the future. But but uh, I would you know you check out different breweries and I would travel to Minneapolis or Indiana or Sioux Falls or anything like that. And it was neat seeing there's a lot of breweries that have like a theme around them. You know, and this is like this is the theme and everything is focused into that. Do you think that does that does that stem from like the owner or the brewer, is that just like a hey, we're gonna have a theme around this, or do you think that comes from something from something deeper, just in the culture of the area? Can I address Untapped first? Yeah, <laughs> uh, <do you> <laughs> please do. <laughs> if if you're listening to this and you rate people's beers on Untapped, first of all, um, 
God bless you. <laughs> um, if nice. it if it makes you happy, um, you know, just keep doing it. If it makes you happy, um, you're probably not an expert, and people who know what they're talking about are probably laughing at what you say. So be really careful. Okay, on. hold on. I thought Untapped was started to help you guys. That must not be. Is that like? It is not beneficial. Oh, okay. I Good mean, to know. I I had a review that said, "Why are loggers or any variation of loggers even a thing?" Oh my! And God. it's like two bottle caps. You know what? Just stop it. <laughs> Just quit now. <laughs> um, I I was um, watching. There was uh, three young men, and they got a, a sampler, and they shared it, which already, like, wow. there's a problem with this. And um, they and we were f- watching them review us live on Untapped because they didn't know that we were eavesdropping on us. Uh, so we're literally on Untapped watching them rate us live. And um, uh, one of the guys who was the third one down the row on sharing a sampler with his buddies, he said that my uh, guava beer listening. tasted like mashed potatoes. It's like, dude, your friend ate french fries and that's backwash. <laughs> <laughs> he called so, him out the third guy down the row in case he's listening. Yes, he's talking about The guy about who you. said my schwa tastes like mashed potatoes. Yeah, that was your friend's backwash. Wow. Um, so Untapped is a, it is a it is a opportunity for people who know just enough to sound like an idiot mm. uh, say what they think. Yeah, I can see that. What was your actual question? I mean, untapped is like, it's, it's with Yelp, it's, I mean, it's all, you know, people's opinions. Yeah, they, they're entitled to their opinions, but. Yeah. If it makes you happy, like that, some people like legitimately but, like it makes them happy and that's fine. Right. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> So many times, but you're right. yeah, and it, it is it's just it's it is amateurs, right? It, like yeah. People that don't know what they're talking about, putting yeah. their opinion. It's yeah. it's literally the the Twitter of beer, right? right. Like you, yeah. you don't know really. anything. It, it, it really is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I gave. I I stopped even looking at that. Yeah. Years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's that's. I'm I'm trying to remember what my original original question was. That was that was a good <laughs> rabbit hole, man. I can't. Even, that's that's great. Uh man. Let's see. Hmm. It has something to do with beer themes, like your the oh. brewery's themes. Yeah, where where do those are those yeah. just internal inspiration? Like, hey, this is what I like. This is what I'd like to see happen. Because um, you know, I've talked to a bunch, I have a few of my friends at homebrew, and they always talk about if they were ever to start a brewery, what what they would do and how they would go about it. And it always seems to be centered around a theme. And some breweries, I find, they have a theme around them. And um, so, yeah, I was just curious if you think that stems out of the culture, of the area, or if that comes out of like the people starting the brewery themselves. I think a lot of it is that the people starting the brewery, I mean, they have some idea in their head of what they want their brewery to be. And I mean, it could be, part of it could be the regional culture, but I mean, oh, yeah. in your Denver, you have breweries that concentrate on lagers and have the whole German theme going on. And then sure. you have other breweries that are just doing their own deal, wild sours and all that. And, there's no real theme. They're just in the building where they ended up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they make great beer. And yeah, so. Sure. Maybe starting off a little subtle and then easing people into different flavor profiles and stuff is what I've seen anyway. Yeah. Uh, for me, I blended two different uh, aspects of brewing. One is I wanted uh, to kind of create this a tap room 
with a bunch of tap handles. So like you'll see that right here at the public house where we're at right now. Uh, you'll see that at Independent Ale House downtown Rapid City where they've got a huge variety of beers. So I wanted a brewery, first of all, that I could have about 18 beers on tap with uh, fruit beers, sour beers, IPAs, uh, and German lagers. So on the German-themed uh, lagers, then I put horizontal lagering tanks into my brewery so I could keep up with the demand of having a German style of lager on tap. And also, uh, we were kind of trash-talking light lagers a little bit earlier. I definitely make a light lager, and it's on tap at all times. It's called a Venner beer. So if you're listening to this, come, so down and, come, down and drink, come down and drink my unashamedly Coors, Coors banquet, Coors, Coors, Coors banquet beer clone, um, and uh, anyway, we uh, so we we put horizontal lagering tanks in. So it was important to me to keep uh, German themed loggers on tap at all time, but also have a huge variety to kind of meet everyone else's uh, taste profile. So gotcha. uh, very tap room orientated motivation for me. That's cool. Uh, what does and then Lee just wanted a, a kitty litter pizza oven kitty litter pizza oven <laughs> that's all I ever wanted <laughs> <laughs> just just on a grander scale I tell just, you what just though, as a side note as um, a, a, com- a competitor and friend this pizza's really good <laughs> I was just gonna say that like it's Thanks. the only pizza my wife and I ever eat in town anymore <laughs> it's like oh we're gonna go to Sawyer and get some get some pizza and get some beer and bring them home yeah it's yeah. great Kitty litter pizza. I, I <laughs> will not tell her that. <laughs> it is fantastic. Although, if I ever wanted to build a, a, a brick oven style pizza in my backyard now, I know who to call. And we have a couple cats. There's so some fantastic YouTubes out there. I've already got the kitty litter. So, um, so with, with the craft beer culture, like growing up in the past several years and just getting bigger and bigger and in this area uh what does collaboration look like for you guys do you um and i asked that question for a couple reasons one stephanie asked me to but two like you know i'm a a musician around the area and we all get together and we do collaboration shows and stuff all the time together and everything like that so there's there's certain in every culture and every business that you're in a part like people work together to help bring everybody up um so i'm curious what that looks like for spearfish uh, with you guys and and not only I mean and to a certain degree I mean you kind of joke but to a certain certain extent you're competitors right but but then to another extent not really so what does that look like for you guys and how do you view that collaboration and and support of each other in this area well I know back when we were the knuckle few years back we did the Lost Crow Knuckle mm-hmm. and it was Lost Cabin, Crow Peak and the Knuckle Brewing Company at the time and we literally every single one of us brewed the same batch of beer the only thing that was different was the water profile and we actually did a launch party at Independent yeah. Ale House yep. and it was a blind taste test to see who or if people could pick out different flavors obviously every brewery has different systems different water profiles and uh hey thanks josh Ooh. josh coming in with the refills thanks buddy <laughs> you got my text i see <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. thank you sir this is a uh, oats there it is oats there it oats, is there there lost, is. Cabin. lost right. cabin shout out to lost cabin you need a couple more? carson wants one two more yeah two a couple more. more would be great 
anyway, so that you know that was kind of one of those fun things we did. Thank you. Um, uh, just to see, you know, same yeast, see, same everything, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was everything Jeff. except yeah, the water. Yeah, water. Profile. That was just it, yep. and water and brew system, and so that was a fun collaboration we did. But obviously, we are open to do anything like that, you know, whether it's it's West River, East River. But at the end of the day, I mean, like you said, it's a competition, but it's a friendly competition. Sure. You know, we, we I've called I've called Jeff or Andy called Jeff or Dawson's probably called you for ingredients. Yep. You know, when you need yeah, it, you need I it. And you have another 50 pound bag. Hey, how you doing? Like, here you go. You know, it's 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 a cool brotherhood to be a part of. Yep. And we're, we're here to help each other. Yes, we're fighting for tap handles. Yes, we're fighting for cooler space. But at the end of the day, I mean, we, we, we all want to see each other succeed. And we, we have a good time at beer shows. We, we, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun group Thanks, Jeff. group of guys to be a part of, men and women. And, and so there, there's definitely opportunity for collaborations to, to happen in the future. And I mean, for me, not being a brewer, but being part of the sales team and being part of, you know, the culture, I'd, I'd love to see more of it, honestly, so. Is it always the same recipe and just changing the water and the systems, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, there's more to it. Um, but go ahead. I, I take a different approach to each collaboration that I've ever done. Um, one of my uh, earliest and most influential collaborations was with uh, Jeff Doyle, who has actually a Spearfish. Uh, he graduated high school here in Spearfish, and he brews at uh, uh, Odell oh, yeah. Brewing. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. And Doyle and I, um, this was back when I was in Laramie, and you know he was at, he's still at uh, Odell, and I basically told him to make an IPA that might like break my system. So I challenged him, and uh, he almost succeeded. Really? Yep. And it, it changed the way I made IPAs. Um, so that was one approach to it. Um, some uh, I, I've done, I was out at uh, New Glory Brewing in Sacramento last spring, and we tried, they're, they're really into their confectionery beers out there. So, um, you know, very like, uh, dessert orientated beers are trending up there so I wanted to come in there and make like the lightest driest um, crushable beer so we made an aqua fresca so I went out there to really challenge the trends in Sacramento um, and so they allowed me to do that on their system so I think with each one you just make a very unique approach and um, it's about sometimes letting another brewer into your house and and seeing what they can do with your system mm. um, and from there you know you learn so much about other people's techniques like I talked earlier about I think that techniques and uh, are as much of a recipe as ingredients so you get to see how other people work and you always walk away with something like wow I just like became a slightly better brewer because of this cool little technique that someone sure. does mm -hmm. that's really cool that's really cool yeah, yeah, so it's about allowing someone else into your space and brewing in your space. So there's a, there's a certain sense where pride really has no place, right? Like, it's like, ah. I mean, if you're proud of making a better beer, then, yeah, you should do more collaborations. That's cool. It's a great way to learn. 
um, it's a really good way to, to get education from somebody without like reading a book or going to a school or going to a conference. You know, you're you're making a beer, but you're really truly learning from another brewer. Is there a limit to collaboration? Like I'm just off because again, I know nothing. I tried to brew beer once on Patty's Day several years ago, um, and I think it might have been 1.2 percent. It was basically water. So um, again, I'm, it's not it's not my forte. Uh, but I'm thinking just out loud. Like, what would it look like for every brewery in South Dakota? to collab on a beer is that even possible chaos chaos okay so not not really not really possible at all like there's a, there's there's a limit like there's a ceiling to collaboration yeah i mean i mean they don't even call wondering. that collaboration because there are these national like sierra nevada did their beer camp or whatever or you know there have been national like drives where every brewery who chooses to join would brew the same have you know they're given the ingredients list and all that and everyone brews the same beer you're not really collaborating. You're just brewing that version of okay. whatever the beer is. Gotcha. Kind of like just taking a homebrew recipe. And then, yeah, and then mm-hmm. you know, for some of these things, the you know, some of the funds go to whatever cause okay. it got started. Okay, gotcha. But so it's not a true collaboration where somebody's coming in and brewing that beer with you. It's you're just following the recipe. Yeah. So there's a certain level of uh, what would you call it? Would you call it intimacy? Like when you're brewing a beer, like you got to kind of. You're connect. You're close with the person you're doing it with. Like you got to work with each other. Let them use your system. Maybe work on the recipe together or something like that. Like it's not just, hey, let's, let's, let's all do this. Like okay, great. You know, it's not the same. You would say anyway. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Hmm. That would be chaos. How many yeah. breweries are now in South Dakota? Do you know? Thirty six or something. Like Thirty six or more. That was. Yeah, I thought it was getting close to 40. But maybe oh, there's some in 36. Pert near 40. Do you get, how many, how many use local, local ingredients? Probably. We use two track out of North Dakota, but that's the most local maltster I know of, unless you guys do. And there's I think. somebody in South Dakota now. But yeah, is it, they oh, gr- well, they grow. Six they, Meridian. No, oh, that's the hops. hops guys. That's hops. They do the hops. No, it's the guys out of Hope something. Or Hope, another. yeah. But they mm-hmm. they grow oh. the barley here, but then they have to ship it to somewhere for to oh, get it malted. So when we did the last crow knuckle, didn't we get the yeast strain from? Yeah, one from of the, the college. No, it's from that Union. The one in Sioux Falls, the hop. Oh, was it? Okay. I don't even know if they're around anymore. But. So yeah, so there's really not that. There's no South Dakota besides the ones that ship out. Interesting. Yeah. It, regional, local? Like, would you say there's that, or do you think... That's Dutrack, right? Dutrack yeah, Dutrack. Okay. Local. Do you think that's part of why some of you would say South Dakota beers behind other parts of the... I, behind's not the right word, right? Because it's great beer. It's. I don't know, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but... Um, you guys know what I'm trying to say, hopefully. <laughs> like, just if you don't have a place to get the ingredients local or quick or anything like that, do you think that, like, slows things down? No, because, okay. I mean, we we have access to all the maltsters and hop growers that every other brewery okay. in, all in the, the country world. does or the world does. Yeah. And so, okay, yeah. I mean, local, uh, as, a, as a term, can kind of get push to the side for just a second here I think that we need to focus a lot on the quality of the of the grain and the quality of the hops that we're brewing with 
and it being close by doesn't necessarily mean it's any better because it's being shipped uh, from closer distance. Um, I do think that we need to get away from our dependency on grain and hops being shipped from overseas and that the quality from local maltsters and local hop growers needs to improve to match the the what we demand as brewers mm. um, and I think that we're working hand in hand you know uh, again like the South Dakota Brewers Guild is going to become a stronger and stronger organization and we'll be able to convince people to maybe pay more attention to the terroir of their hops uh, the, the malting processes but ultimately local like it really comes down to just the relationship that you have as a, a manufacturer of alcohol with the people who produce the grain and the hops um, that that in the yeast that, that grow the yeast in the lab that we need to ferment out our product um, and it's a, it's more about relationships than proximity speaking of proximity malt I do use them <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's about the relationship that you make with the hop grower and the and the maltsters and the and the people in the lab making yeast than it is the distance okay yeah because uh, at, we want a good beer yeah. And that, that requires a lot of precision on their end in the farm. Uh, it's not something that Lee or Jeff and I are doing. We're not checking the soil content in the spring and, you know, measuring the water or the process of the CO2 extraction on the whatever, drying out hops and stuff. You know, we're, we're not, we're ultimately looking at what they hand to us. Right. They do all that work and then they hand it over to us and we make beer with it. Gotcha. Okay. So the, when people talk about like local beer, it's, no, it's the people brewing it locally. That's that's what makes it local. It's yes, an, yeah. it's the relationship that we have yeah. with the hop growers and the and the and the barley growers, the maltsters. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it's easy for people to. I think I think forget that right. Like you're, like when you talk about that relationship that you have with with the people you're getting the ingredients from and that like. The, Nobody thinks about that when they order a beer. And most people, I think. I mean, there's probably some that do. People that know what they're doing or are looking to rate you on Untapped or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not, I'm not ordering my, my, my grain based on how close they are to Spearfish. I'm ordering it on the quality of the sure. product that they're able to send to my brew house. Yeah. That's cool. What's that? <laughs> Never mind. He's talking shit. <laughs> Well, the, the other thing that, I mean, has kind of recently made it even a little more stressful is the, the weather changes, the weather pattern changes, and, I mean, where the malt, the barley crop is different because of the weather last year. Mm. There was one year where the hops failed, so there was a big demand on hops, and the price shot up mm. crazy, and... So you're at the mercy of the weather, really. I mean, because everything that goes in there, except for the yeast and the water, is is agricultural. And when yeah. you when you have a hot summer and all the barley in Canada dries up and doesn't produce nice fat kernels, and that changes the whole prof that changes the whole way you have to brew beer. You have to adjust to the environmental issues that come up with the crops. Are you able to notice the the flavor changes in your own beer with that? Not yet. <laughs> We're gonna have yeah. a tough crop. Yeah, this year this <laughs> yeah. year's gonna be really. Uh, there's gonna be some <clears throat> from one bag to the next. Yeah, there's gonna be a tough crop coming down the pipe right now. 
Stock up now is what you're saying, right? Mm, Feel those growlers, folks? Well, like Jeff was saying, you have to change some of your your mashing. You can't do everything exactly the same. So we have to activate our enzymes in a a slightly different way. Uh, We're looking at, like, probably a little bit harder runoff when we're sparging. Um, There's going to be a smaller, glassier uh, grain uh, barley corns coming down the pipe right now. And with less diastic power, so we're gonna we're, we've got some we've got to make some changes to our mashing schedule uh, this in this year. How many people do you think look at you guys as scientists? Like I'm listening to this conversation and I'm like, these guys know their shit, right? Like it's like this is not, you know, I mean, because it's easy to dismiss brewers. Oh, they're just brewers, right? They just you know they they like to drink or blah blah blah. But like, there is a intricate process involved and the slightest mistake can ruin everything right like it ruins the entire business like do you think do you think a lot of people realize that 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 you guys are essentially scientists I mean I don't know what other word to say other than scientists but I want to rephrase your question oh (laughs) are we oh I mean are like where's the balance between art and science for your for you Lee Uh, or you Jeff Right. It's def- yeah, there's definitely a balance of overhead science to it. I mean, but you do have to know the basic background of your ingredients that you're putting into your beer and how they work. And if you don't have an understanding of that, then you're just shooting blind, you know. But, mm-hmm. but there's also art. I mean, there's, you know, you come up with an idea in your head of what you want to brew, and it doesn't always, I mean, yeah, you pick your ingredients, but it, yeah, know, like, it also has a lot to do with just your idea of what you want. And knowledge and creativity can be incredibly powerful when put to the right use, right? Mm-hmm. When you put them together. That's, yeah, that's impressive. That's really, really impressive. Uh, I'm trying to think what else Stephanie wanted me to talk to you guys about. <laughs> uh, no, uh, she did want me to ask you guys about uh, just the economic impact you think breweries have made in South Dakota um, as far as, you know, giving back to the community and just, you know, you know, providing providing jobs. You know, providing you know cash flow in communities and everything like that. Uh, do you guys see what? I guess obviously there's value, but what what's the value in your guys's minds on having having breweries in South Dakota and what that has brought um, to our areas? I see it on the sales side of it that I've been in for the last few years, and when when I first started doing this, I mean. Crow Peak was Crow Peak Firehouse was kind of really the only breweries out there that were also being distroed and to see what it was you know bar owners oh we don't want that we don't want that people don't want that to see what it is now than what it was five six years ago has been a, a really cool thing is watching all the big beer taps go away and seeing South Dakota's you know, and, I, and, and being from Colorado, and what you, you just saw the craft beers taking over the big beers, tap lines, 10 years ago, and now watching it slowly creep. And as a bar owner, I would want that. Because, like I said, the, the tourism part of South Dakota, people always want to ask what's local. Sure. And we're taking over. I mean... You, you go into some of these bars now and 
it's it's mainly local and then you have your big beers on the side but it it we're, 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 we're these guys everybody you know south dakota wise is doing a fantastic job i mean it's it's been fun to see the transition from the sales side of it and people dogging you from the start six years ago seven years ago to now that's what they want because that's what they're being asked for so. just a cultural change like there was a struggle at the beginning you would say with getting bars because i mean, imagine struggle. like having tap houses <laughs> and bars having your beer is is like a bit it's i mean it's got to be a big part of the business right of the yeah. business side of, aspect of it so like getting that to finally to finally break into that market i could see like what well, that would have been like when it's brand new people are s- scared to do that right and the the forward thinkers the people that were looking ahead were, were the one the early adopters like yeah this is this is going to be a big deal we should we should do this now well and think it i mean tourism has a big part of it people that were coming from big markets sure. what's local what's local what's local and you were the only one yeah. jeff yeah. there for a while and uh, you know everybody else is now taking over now when you walk into some of these bars there's if there's 10 tap handles six of them are local and the other ones are the mm-hmm. nonsense they have to keep on you know so it's yeah sure they're doing a great job and it's yeah, yeah. I've been noticing it's turning a lot like. Into Wait, give this guy a mic. <laughs> I've been noticing it's been turning a lot into like Bend, Oregon kind of thing. Where when I I lived there back in 2012, and pretty much every bar in Bend had 12 tap handles. 11 of them were craft beers from Bend, and one was just the staple domestic. And I'm starting to see like it's kind of transforming into that around this area because it is it's people coming in wanting to talk wanting to try something different and it gravitates them towards crow peak mm-hmm. towards spearfish mm-hmm. towards sawyer towards us i mean it's it's it, it's been fun to watch the transition because it was it was small town south dakota really wasn't a big tourism and maybe camping hunting whatever but mm-hmm. now i mean the draw there's a lot of draw for craft beer here sure and we're we're we're, we're all seeing the benefits of it it's, yeah, my favorite, it's fun to watch it grow my favorite thing is the, the generational divide that's that's happened with craft beer like uh i think I, my dad comes up here that's all he wants to do he wants to he wants to stop at every brewery have a beer at every brewery and everything that's local and so that's what we do we take a day and we do that and we just go have a good time you know but i think like that and he's turning 70 this year so it's like there's this interesting thing where like i only ever knew him i was like ah he's you know drinking the you know beer you would expect people from that generation to drink right but now it's like you well we were talking about earlier like oh there this can this can this can actually taste good <laughs> i can enjoy it and it can taste good at the same time that's that's pretty great yeah any other any other thoughts on just what like, breweries have brought to our area in terms of what we were missing beforehand I think spearfish anyway. You know, it's we've just brought a place where people can go, hang out, casual, and we're closed by ten. <laughs> then they can go hit the bars and drink hard alcohol. But it's just a, it's more of a just a laid back environment. All our breweries are laid back environments. You bring your family. You have a pizza. You have a beer. 
let your kids dog. run around, let your dogs run around, you know. Yeah. And and it's just a just a relaxing place for people to hang out and enjoy good beer. And we don't have to deal with the late night drunks and all that. So that's always a plus, man. That's a we are plus. the late night drunks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go. We're those guys. You're in the wrong spot. <laughs> right spot. But it's a nice, quiet play. You're not quite, well. Sometimes quiet, but yeah, it yeah. is. It really is. It's really one of those things that we people go there to taste it. They're not there to take shots. They're not there to get boozed up. They're just there to enjoy the crafts of what these gentlemen do and um you know it, it's yeah, yeah there's it, a camaraderie it's, and like a, it's almost like you know the old-timey like family table right get together right. connect with the community yep. talk you know just yep relax for the day and have that kind of thing and you're right like the being done by 10 like that's i, I this last year i changed most of my gigs to be done by 10 or 11 and yeah, it's way better. <laughs> so you can leave and like, all right, y'all have fun. Right? <laughs> it's so oh, much amen, better. Brother. It's good. It's because you're not you're not uh, you're not a bar, right? right? You're a brewery. So yeah. there's there's that distinction there where you're like, hey, no, we're we're done now. If yeah. if you're looking to tie one on, there's there's places for you. Yeah, but not here, right? right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't uh, get into Spearfish Brewing because I wanted to make an economic impact on spearfish or on south dakota even though that's a secondary result it was far from my focus i'm just really truly doing the thing that i love to do um it is it's my life it's what i i brew beer and now i'm a brewery owner and i i i love it it makes me really happy to make beer and i've um and I hope there is an envir- uh, environmental. I hope there. Well, first of all, yes. I hope there is. Like, I'm making a good environmental uh, contribution to this world. But and economically, yeah, I, I hope there is a good result on spearfish. But it was never my focus. It's just. I, but if but if I'm making a negative impact, I would probably have to take some corrective action on on the business and my life. But there isn't. I know it's good. I know that people they Google it uh, when they're on their when they're traveling. We're right on I ninety, so they see like three breweries. They're like, we're gonna stop and crash in Spearfish. Sorry, Joe, but maybe skip Sturgis because there's only one brewery there, and they'll and they'll and they'll they'll stay and they'll and they'll yeah exactly you like that and then uh, and then and they'll stay and they'll they'll hit all three of our places. You know, we talk to a lot of people who have just come from Crow Peak and they're at our place, or they're at our place and they're heading to Lee's place, and vice versa. It just they're working their way around, and um, then they're they're getting a place to stay. Um, Not to our, mention the great food that's in Spearfish. Yeah. yeah. And they're just going to have a good experience, and I feel like we provide that good experience. So then they're going to tell other people, and then those people are going to come back, and just by word of mouth and good reviews online, that we we really do bring um, more money into town for you know more people in the service industry to have a yeah. sustainable um, life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember when you, when you two first started when it, before back when it was just Crow. I had a few people I asked me, do you think Spearfish can sustain three breweries? And it wasn't... It was arguable. It was arguable? Well, it wasn't like three to four months in for me, or I'm like, I'm driving around town, and I happen to pass all three of you, and I'm like, they're all full. I think we're going to be okay. I think, you know, they're going to be fine. Because there's... I mean, you guys can't fit all 12,000 people in Spearfish in your, in your, in your one place, right? So yeah. there's, there's obviously still a market for it. There's... And we all have our own vibe, our own niche, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But absolutely, you know, there's something you know. So it's not like 
going to one brewery and going to the next is not like going to the same place. Yeah, what are you it, in the mood for today, like you know? And no, oh, and then the mood changes in two hours. Now let's go to this place now, you know? So Yeah. But as far as the environmental impact, um, I think the Brewers Guild will be a big player in, in helping out with, with that kind of thing because they've already got legislation passed where small breweries can now self-distribute. Um, nice. That really helps them grow because I know when I first started out and I wanted to take my keg of beer down the road, you know, I just couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so I think having a Brewers Guild to bring awareness, more awareness of the breweries in South Dakota is, will have an impact on, on the whole state, basically. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really cool. Yeah. So. yeah I hadn't thought of that yeah. before. Like, you, you had to follow, probably follow a certain process. It was probably not easy. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I we didn't from, start distributing until we built the new bigger building. Yeah, there's no way I could. Laws from, yeah, yeah, from way no, back. There was no mom mentality back yeah. in the twenties. Right. Gotcha. Do you guys see uh, possibilities for expansion of your own breweries in our area? I know. I mean, I guess. Uh, sorry to be. I guess to be a little bit clear, like you guys have expanded since your first initial start so this might be more of a question for Lee and Nathan here because um, you guys expanded too back in, in Sturgis already so well, Lee's, at, Lee's expanded Lee's too. expanded yeah oh so so I guess maybe I don't know this story so I, I first saw Sawyer when you guys were at the place you're at now so maybe that's yeah we've since moved primary brewing operations um, away from the tap room which honestly kind of breaks my heart a little bit um, I feel like we lose a little bit of nuance of not having um, full production and and that there logistically it comes with a load of headaches sure um, but we're making it work there's other people doing it out there um, so yeah where we're at now is is great so that's cool yeah what about you then and do you see like expansion plans in your future we do not have any expansion plans at this point uh when we built that brewery uh we we built it out as large as we felt like we needed to and um uh we're downtown so we can't just build out just kind of like what lee had to deal with almost immediately because you you outgrew your capacity within a year or two but we're we we had a little bit um bigger of us of tanks to start out with and we're gonna hit that um we're gonna we're gonna hit our capacity in our space downtown uh you know this year maybe even last year to be honest um but our idea is just uh sit on it this is our spot and um We'll see. We'll see what happens. But right now, we're just we're just happy to be like uh, follow to be true to our business model, and um, we like our tap room downtown. Sure. Yep. And that's that's a thing too. I think that there are so many breweries in the United States that you know it used to be everyone was looking to become a regional not everybody but you know they're looking to be regional send their stuff mm-hmm. out as far as possible and now with so many breweries it's all just compressing back down to local like extremely local so like we've pulled out of some some states we used to be in because it was just we were lost in the whole wash of new breweries that popped up sure. in say Nebraska or whatever so yeah you kind of want to find yeah like, like yeah it's kind of a product of uh, 
wish you knew then what you know now type yeah. deal. Mm, um, sure. That's what it was for us. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, we thought, you know, our little, what we were doing and making these little pizzas in this crappy little pizza oven that we had, you know, we would just upscale that a little bit and it would be this great business model. And it was a multitude of things that kind of drove us, you know, um, in a different direction. But, um, yeah, uh, if, if you've been to our tap room, you know that it's a pretty cool spot. And you can imagine that that is some of the most expensive real estate in <laughs> I the can, state, if I you can will. Uh, so with that said, we just kind of had just a certain amount of options where we had to... Uh, think of different things um and it ended up working out so yeah and also um as far as just like being a, a business owner and and some of the vision behind me as a brewer i know who i am as a brewer i'm not a production brewer so by a production brewer i'm not going to be in charge of a, like a large facility like surges brew um i'm not that type of person i am a brew pub brewer i can barely manage one person and I do really well at barely managing one person, but that's like, that's who I am as a brewer. That's where I'm successful. That's where I make my best beer. So I'm not going to have a team of six, eight people. Um, I'm going to have a team of one or two people tops. Sure. And uh, that's, I'm a, I'm a brew pub brewer. So I know that I'm going to top out at about 2000 barrels a year. And that's what we set ourselves up to do like right inside my comfort zone if I get outside of that I'm afraid that we would yes we would make more beer we wouldn't necessarily make more money and we definitely wouldn't make better beer like you're carving out your own little slice of heaven and hey I'm good right yeah yep man if if, if more uh, corporations thought like that right <laughs> that's, a, that's another topic for another day <laughs> um, one last question and I'm gonna I'm gonna send this to Jeff, but we'll see how he answers, and then we can always pass it off to these guys. When does the Heath Chocolate Johnson come back? <laughs> I don't know if you guys do. You guys know the story. You hear the story. Can I can I you share the story? It. Yes. So I, I had a gig there years ago. Yeah. And Matt Melanson, he was working there at the time. He decides to write on Get that out. Yeah. He decides <laughs> to write on the chalkboard. Uh, Heath Chocolate Johnson, you know, Saturday 7 p.m. or something like that. And everybody thought it was a beer. So, so much so that they kept ordering it that they had to erase it <laughs> off the chalkboard. And that led to a running joke. And then one thing led to another. And then Jeff brewed Heath Chocolate Johnson. <laughs> and we had a whole beer release party. And it yeah. was, he had actual Heath bar, like chocolate yeah. and toffee yeah. into it. It was yeah. delicious. And, uh, I mean, from what I remember, I remember walking home that night. But it was it was a really good night. But um, anyway, that was a joke. But that was. But that yeah. But I mean, it's, it's stuff like that that makes brewing fun. I mean, sure. Come up. I mean, people. Creativity. Things just happens like happen, and you click, you go with it, and you have fun with it. So yeah. Of all the things that have made my mother proud, she never thought <laughs> that would be one. <laughs> um, anything else you guys want to? You want to? add in here before we uh, before we close it off this was awesome I appreciate you guys yeah. hanging out yeah it's been fun this was a blast oh, thank uh, you thanks for Joe thanks yeah thanks for jumping in man I'm glad you were here uh, yeah, that was wild card right that was totally convenient right yeah. Yeah. hey since I'm in the guys. neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, well, all these spear fish guys fantastic and I'm glad to be part I mean just down the road in Sturgis so perfect Do you guys, can you guys run around real quick and just let everyone know like if they want to check out your website 
like where to find you at and take a look at you for if, if you guys got one cool yeah sturgisbrewingcompany.com obviously on social media instagram facebook everything like that same thing sturgis brewing company uh sawyer is sawyerbrewingco.com social media i don't know google sawyer brewing <laughs> of some kind you'll find us nailing it bro nailing it <laughs> We're at crowpeakbrewing.com, and yeah, we have social media. I don't have any part in it, so. But, yeah. Uh, we do have H- a guy who does it. HTTP. <laughs> backslash, backslash. www.worldwideweb.scripperspruit. <laughs> what is this? We also are developing an app to help you find your lost dog and anyone else's lost dog, so you can look for that app in the future. Sweet. I'll, uh, Your lost dog? Yep. Any, you could just any lost dog. They're just on the app. <laughs> I'm gonna find you a coyote, bro. <laughs> oh, oh whoopsie! <laughs> Sometimes coyotes do show up on, but we're working out the kinks on the app. So it'll be available soon. <laughs> That's great. Um, and I'll I'll find I'll, I'll put all those links in the description to the to the show and everything. But thanks again, guys. Cheers. I appreciate thanks, y'all Eve. hanging out. Cheers. Cheers. Happy Cheers. South Dakota Craft Brew Week. <laughs> we'll. Uh, We'll see you when we see you, right? Cheers. Cheers. And thanks for listening, folks. I sure appreciate it. As always, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh, Go ahead and check out the episode description. I have all of the links to all of these different brewers and their their websites, uh, where they're located and what what they have going on uh, down in the descriptions. You can learn more about them. They also have got merch if you're into that kind of thing, which I know most of us are. So go ahead and check them out. Show your support. If you're in our area, go stop by and have yourself a taster or two. Actually, just go for the full pint. Why even have a taster? Just just do it and you promise you're going to love it. So anyway, folks, uh, we will see you next time.